0: my why is way beyond superfood hunting because I suffered as a kid. I was having issues and challenges as a kid. I realized finally that what I was putting in my mouth made a difference in my brain, made a difference in my body, made a difference in my outlook. So that was in my DNA. So to be able to go out, and find these things and preserve these things that have been used for thousands and thousands of years for really good reason. It is my mission for these nutrients to get to people
1: so that those people can thrive, period. That's Darren O'Lean, this week on The Rich Roll Podcast. Rich Roll Podcast. Hey, everybody. How you guys doing? What is happening? How are you? My name is Rich Roll. I am your host. Welcome to my podcast. Got a great show for you guys today. Today's episode is a literal superfood show and tell with the Superman of superfoods himself, my good buddy Darren O'Lean, making his third appearance on the podcast. In case you missed it, Darren first graced this uh, this platform, this program back in episode 153 and then again in episode 268, both of which are amongst my most popular, most listened to episodes in the history of this show. So if you skip them the first time around or perhaps you're new to the show, I would definitely go back and check them out. And for those of you who are new to the show, Darren is the first ever health and wellness expert to be coined a quote-unquote superfood hunter. And what that means, we're going to explore in depth in today's conversation. Uh, He is known uniquely within the health and wellness community as many things, an exotic superfood expert, a supplement formulator, uh, and an environmental activist who has spent the better part of the last two decades or so traveling the planet to discover new and underutilized medicinal plants. He is the author of a book called Super Life, the five forces that will make you healthy, fit, and eternally awesome, which is a really great health and lifestyle primer you should all pick up. But Darren's latest discovery, his latest obsession is the baru nut. (laughs) The baru nut is this exotic, crazy delicious, almost addictive and incredibly nutrient rich super nut that comes from the Barucas tree in the Brazilian Sahadu that sort of tastes like a mix of almonds, uh, cashews, and peanuts all mixed up together, but actually a lot better with less calories, less water footprint, and this insane nutritional profile packed with protein, fiber, minerals, and all kinds of good stuff. So Darren decided to begin supporting the indigenous inhabitants of the, the Sahadu to harvest this, not to import it, and, and ultimately to begin selling it under the label of this new company that he formed called Barucas. And today he's going to tell us all about it. It's a really super cool story. Uh, but first... We're brought to you today by On. My favorite is their double IPA, not just another story. But basically, you just really can't go wrong because everything they make is brewed to perfection, worthy of trying yourself, which you can now do at gobrewing.com. That's gobrewing.com and use the code RICHROLL for 15% off your first purchase. We're brought to you today by Birch. If you're serious about optimizing your sleep, listen up. and the craftsmanship is just next level. I've got one in every room of my house. I love it, pretty sure you will too. And right now, Birch is giving 20% off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com rich richroll. That's 20% off and two free EcoRest pillows. Sleep better with Birch. Okay. Superfood hunter, Darren O'Lain. Uh Today, like I said, we pick up where we left off in the second episode that I did with him. We dive deep into a wide variety of exotic superfoods and their nutritional properties. Uh, Darren actually does a literal show and tell with some of his favorites that he brought to the program. So if you want to actually see what this stuff looks like, you can watch the episode on YouTube. And I guess I should just point out as a public service announcement, because I'm not sure everybody knows this, but about seven months ago, we started filming the podcast. So this and many other episodes of the show are available on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Rich Roll. Anyway, in addition to all of that, Darren also takes us on an exploration of the Sehadu, which is this gigantic tropical savanna ecoregion of Brazil. It's basically three times the size of Texas, but much lesser understood or appreciated in comparison with the Amazonian rainforest. We talk about how he began working with the indigenous communities there to protect and preserve their precious ecosystems, and why he decided to begin importing this baru nut and introduce it to the developed world. Oh yeah, we also talk story on life purpose this is a good one people this is me and darren alina
0: it's harvested it's dried out in the middle of nowhere uh in these kind of tents with high sun heat and then it takes about three months for those to get that way
1: right do they have to be dried or they just come like this uh, no, you have to dry them you to dry before them, you yeah. can process them. Right on, well, we're rolling. Welcome to the studio. Hey, thank we're you. We're talking about <laughs> this maca root bulb that, I'm, that I have in my hand that <laughs> you know, I've, been, I've been eating maca for a long time. I had no idea that this is what it looks like.
0: And that's black maca. So the, wow. you know, the people think that the characteristics of the black maca have a lot of more aphrodisiac kind mm. of potency. Um, and there's less of it. So you typically have the yellow maca, that's kind of the biggest, and then there's red maca. So then there's some fertility with women. And at the end of the day, most of what's inside, it's usually what they're trying to uh, get into is that on the outside layer, that's where some of the differences are, Mm -hmm. but the evidence isn't that strong. I really believe that just taking maca in general is, Gonna in, get whatever, a, in whatever in yeah, whatever form, it's going to hit.
1: Um, yeah, I didn't even know there were different varieties of it. Yeah, that's amazing. And these are all from Peru. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, for those that are listening, it's going to be show and tell day with <laughs> Darren. Oh. He brought uh, a case full of his wares, all kinds of exotic superfoods in their original state. So uh, if you're used to just listening to this. Podcast, you might want to check out the YouTube version so you can see what all this stuff looks like, and we're going to get into it today. So awesome, man! Good yeah. to have you. It's good third to third time my... on the podcast.
0: Yeah, man, third time's a charmer. That's right.
1: <laughs> uh, and and we didn't even talk about what we're going to talk about today, but you know, we've gone over your. You know, for those that are new to the show, we have done two podcasts. The first one was really kind of about your backstory um, and sort of superfoods in a general sense in your book, Super Life. Uh, and then the second one was kind of water focused as I mm-hmm. recall. Yeah. And so today we're just going to take it wherever we want to take it, I yeah. guess. There's What's uh what have you been doing? I mean, since we last spoke, you've gone on a couple adventures. I know you went to Brazil so several times. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, when you superfood hunt, you find you find um, you may go with one intention, try to find something or try to follow up on something and usually when I come back, I have five or 10 things that I didn't even know existed. Because you, when you're in the middle of nowhere and you're in a new country or in a new area or ecosystem, inevitably on that trail of uh sometimes hundreds of hours from hiking to bikes to water buffaloes, I've literally been on water buffaloes before, um, you come back and and so when I was in Brazil, uh Years ago, I was there on the Amazonian side, Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of technically upper Brazil, like Northern to mid is mostly Amazonian geographical area. Rainforest. Yeah, and so I was looking for other things. I was looking at um, certain types of palm, uh, acai, of course, Um, this uh, in the Theobroma family, this thing called capoassu, which is what's uh,
1: that? I've never even heard of that.
0: It's like a, it, it, it's in the cacao family, um, but it has a higher fat content, um, some other properties that are similar, um, but no, don't have the kind of uh, the same energy kind of producing stimulant, um, but delicious. Uh, I don't. I, I've never understood why it never really came about because. Mm-hmm. I've played with formulating with cacao and capuaçu and it's it's utterly mouthwateringly
1: delicious, so. And was that something that you were not aware of before you went on that first adventure to Brazil that you stumbled upon or? No, I had been aware of that from the Peruvian
0: side. Mm-hmm. So I was aware of the capuaçu is a Portuguese word. So it's primarily in the Brazilian side. So I had heard of it uh-huh. and then I had gotten samples, I had done some research, um, but ultimately, during that trip, I had a Brazilian reach out to me and tell me about this thing that I had never heard of before in the Sahadu. And I'm like, what's the Sahadu? Right. And like, it's a tropical savanna, which is kind of a cousin or the lower half of the Brazil, I guess the Southern part of Brazil. Uh, and And I was like, whoa, that's, savanna like that's fascinating um and he talked to me about this um, this bodrozada tree that comes from there and this thing called baru nut and i was like uh you know i'm smiling and humbly smiling going, no, I've never heard of it. it. Like you're
1: the guy who's supposed to know all this stuff. Of course,
0: but that's the beauty. I can never know it. Mm -hmm. It's like the planet is so big and there's so much diversity, like the humbly I picked a fantastic career that I can learn for the rest of my life. And so um, of course, then I was completely fascinated. And uh, so he ends up sending me samples I started doing some research before they got there and I was like, whoa, there's some high nutrient value to this, you know, this nut. And uh, as soon as I taste it, whoa, I was life had altered at that
1: point. The Peru nut. Yeah, yeah,
0: because because of this, because my hat of course goes on many different ways from just the adventure of finding something new to the curiosity, But also you put the hat on of what can I do with it and how can I get it to people, especially if it's highly nutrient dense. Right.
1: And at the same time, supporting the communities that produce it. Yeah, we'll get into that. That's a massive part of it, massive. Well, talk to me in general a little bit about the Sahadu and the differences between Sahadu land and rainforest land, because we hear a lot about the Amazonian rainforest and yeah. the deforestation that's taking place to provide um, cattle grazing and growing feed for cattle. I think it's like a football field, a second or something like that, yeah. that's getting cleared. You don't yeah. hear much of anything about the Sahadu. Yeah,
0: yeah, the Amazon's about the, about the, la- the last I heard was about the landmass size of France every year. Is being decimated, and that and the Amazon saying, like, let's just say that it's got the highest PR, right? It's it, they are promoting it, and people, tr- a lot of working groups are trying to protect it, right? But what is the Sahadu? And 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 so I was very much uh, fascinated by that, and 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 as soon as I ended up there, I saw it, and so now you're looking at. A landmass that is about um, three states of Texas. Uh, it's over a third of the, all of Brazil. That's like saying, That's incredible. and Brazil is—you know—US and Brazil are about the same size. So, so the Sahadu is like over a third of what the United States would be.
1: That's unbelievable.
0: It's huge
1: so and it's sort of sub equatorial right below the equator yeah the the rainforest is more equatorial yeah. right yeah um, and it's I presume a more arid yeah rainforest. yeah I
0: mean it changes it's such a vast area uh, we've been looking at it from Bolivia to Portugal to to Brazil, and it changes a bit for sure and the diversity changes and the population of certain Botanicals and trees and birds and and fruits and all of that stuff changes here and there, um, but ultimately think of it as like a little bit of a deserty feeling um, for the most part, um, with a very interesting um, biodiversity. Mm-hmm. And the, the the which one of the things which was very fascinating. We we were you know th- this is the kind of thing you can't find out until you're there. Uh, and one of the things was. Number one, we're driving through it and you're, you're fascinating and fascinated and also holding back tears at the same time because you're literally seeing deforestation.
1: So it's impacting the Saharu similar yeah. in a way that's similar to the rainforest. Right,
0: and, and think of this, so only in the last 40 years, no one really knew other than the people living in there what the Saharu was, They didn't really do anything with it. Uh, That was kind of it. Brasilia resurrected kind of in the center of it. Um, Once that happened, um, it it gained this attention. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, this is kind of a poor cousin to the Amazon with less vegetation that's above ground. So it seems to be a little easier to-
1: Justify. Yeah, Yeah. to
0: destroy. So here's the thing, so in 40 years, the landmass that's that large, they have destroyed it. And the stats are between 50 to 79% of that whole area.
1: Has been deforested. Only
0: in 40 years. Oh my God. So that gives
1: you. And so a... how does that, sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. like how does that occur? Like what, what is the mechanism behind how it, how it goes down? I would, I would assume. You know, I'm envisioning, you know, relatively poor indigenous inhabitants um, who are then offered a check, you know, that they can't refuse yeah. because there's no other way to better provide for their family, and they just relent. I mean, is that how sure. how it happens?
0: For sure. I mean, so so think about. It. There's this kind of this. So from an economic, from a ecological point of view, the Sahadu is kind of buffering. And tempering the Amazon, they're, they're cousins, they need, they need they have a symbiosis, right? And so um, when that's getting disturbed, it causes a lot of instability in the Amazon as well, um, which then further accelerates everything. The, the deforested part, you might be whacking it above ground, but here's the interesting thing. Some people, experts in country, in Brazil, say that the vegetation is because of deep tap roots, because of huge uh, um, uh, droughts that the the plants and the barroseta tree and these plants have deep, deep tap roots. So they're hitting deep aquifers. Mm-hmm. So they have a vegetation below ground that's equal if you flipped it up as to the, the breadth and the width and the height of the Amazon. So you're not seeing the 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 biomass that's being destroyed from the root structures.
1: Right. So there's this incredible, uh, incredibly robust, um, beautiful vegetation with extraordinary biodiversity, but it doesn't meet the eye. Right. It's below ground.
0: You have you have uh, ninety million species of insects you have hundreds of species of mammals you have tens of thousand plant diversities you have a diversity that's comparable to the amazon
1: Mm -hmm. and what are the the sort of you know alpha land mammals in that area like what if you're if you were you know trekking through there like what are you seeing well
0: the funny thing is we had a we had a you know because of the sad situation where you have literally like this line that's drawn between what's deforested de- and then the forest or whatever's left in that. And we had a situation where we were going through an area and then out of the forest runs this anteater. That's the size of a, a California mountain lion. Wow. It's huge, like huge like nose. And so we we actually In our ultimate wisdom, we try to kind of like he's out in the open, kind of vulnerable. So we kind of like got jumped out of the car and kind of tried to get him back in in the forest. I don't know what whatever that was doing. It was Mm -hmm. just our instincts. So, um, but you know, it's it's you know it's everything from different types of foxes and and things like that. There's no large like super predators. Um, but you have a, you know, when you have insects, when you have birds and you have few hundred di- different types of mammals and 90 million insects, you have, a, you, you have the inkling of an incredible, powerful ecosystem. Right.
1: And who are the, uh, who are the interests that are behind the deforestation. Is it American, you know, big cattle grazing companies? Is it Brazilian companies? Like who's who's doing this? Who are the perpetrators?
0: I, I tell you, Brazil is so I think they make us look not as aggressive with meat production. They are so aggressive. You what I was hearing is that you literally, when you buy land, they force you as a mandate to to have cattle, like you
1: can't. It's a precondition really... of actually even purchasing
0: and property. The, the undertow is that is we want economic stability, but the the the, the subtext of that is that's cattle, mm-hmm. right? So they're pushing this on people, um, and the the meat consumption
1: in Brazil is just. Just right, so it's staying in country. They're not exporting. Oh yeah, they're doing the, the a lot of exporting. Like oh, and, sure. and how much of it is for cattle grazing proper versus growing the feed for the cattle?
0: Uh, I don't know the exact stats, but it's a ton. I mean, they're they're the the soy corn. It's th- three things. They're the cattle are either on it, the land, the stripped land, or you're growing the feed for that. Cattle and it's a
1: mono a mono a monocrop culture. Yeah,
0: I mean, I and and you when you literally see it and and now having eyes of the medicinal plants and the 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 baruca nuts and all of that stuff, I can see, I can see the economic stability in that, right? I can see like, oh, that's that's important, right? And and you don't have to do this unsustainable thrashing of the land and and burning of it. You have a, a gift right there in the ecosystem. And so that kind of gets down to like, well, you have to have an economic engine. You right. have to be able to make a business work in order to go back to those people and back to what you said before, which I didn't quite get to, and that is, Without a doubt in our Baruka project, there is no way that we could even have this business if it wasn't 100% supported by the indigenous people Mm -hmm. because they're on the land and the landmass is massive. Mm -hmm. So we've spent years meeting the chiefs, meeting the head villagers, Traveling around the areas, setting up the infrastructure because this is a nightmare for a business. It's a nightmare.
1: Try to—it's right. a
0: wild, collected. Mm-hmm. It's there's no monocropping, brew nuts. There's no. There's no. It's not happening. Any person of an, you know an entrepreneurial brain who doesn't understand uh, indigenous work and understanding the real fair trade of how to make these pe- people very happy in their wild collections and uh, support them. It's a, if you plant a tree, guess what? You plant it, it's gonna take 15 years for you to even get the fruit right. from it. So it's not like, hey, good idea. Let's, let's jump into the, the Baru trade here. The, and it's just, and so you have to spend a lot of time organizing all of the infrastructure that it takes.
1: Yeah. You, well, you're literally inverting the paradigm from one that sees uh, the forest for the tr- you know through the trees, and instead flip that to see the tree in the forest. <laughs> you know Bing-row. what I mean? Yeah. And and having to overcome the momentum of what has sustained you know that culture for so long to come in and say, look, there's a better way. There's a more sustainable way that will. Um, empower you long term, and you know, feed your children for generations to come. But me, Darren, white guy, coming down to Brazil, yeah. you're you're gonna have to trust me. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. That's yeah. that's a huge uh, obstacle to overcome. Huge. And
0: you know how many times, Rich, I've been in that situation, like so many times. Someone at some point has offered them something for their land or uh, some sort of uh, deal whether it's in country and they wanna sell the nuts or or it's some other medicinal plant some other country. I've been in that situation so many times. And here's the thing that when you show up, it matters a lot when you sit down and be with them and eat lunch with them and spend time with them and get to understand them and see what they need and really come about it from that perspective and then are super consistent What we say is what we're going to do. And we're gonna keep doing that because they have had so many, I'm talking people in general. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm talking about small (laughs) farmers around the world, small collectors around the world. It is the same thing um, that they have people who've promised them the world. And then when it actually came, they didn't have an economic stability or they didn't have a business. They wanted a business, but they didn't have the, the understanding of how to run it, or whatever the case is, they may have had a good intention, but ultimately these people go out and do a bunch of work, and then they don't get paid for it, mm-hmm. and so then they get, uh, you know, they they it wears them out over time, and so then you're the next guy uh, showing up, but for us now it's been you know in, in terms of Baruca you know it's been two and a half years, so we we basically said listen. And this, by the way, I think all business should be done from the foundation and the ground. I think that's, that's where a customers uh, are getting smarter because I've always believed like treat people as if they know, even if they don't, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and that's from a, consu- a customer point of view. So, you know, it's, it's, it's treating these people like, what do you need? Um, what do you, what's fair? to pay you and then we'll pay them a little more with some incentives along the way. Because you cannot, it's like the lottery. You can't just give them a bunch of money. They need to grow into that. I know farmers in Peru that I've known for a decade. And when the Chinese came in and overpaid a 100 times for this stuff, because, the and I'm referring to maca, um, these farmers, I understand they have to take the money and they these the Chinese were coming in with suitcases full of money um, and then stealing it through the old drug routes um, because this is technically illegal to leave the country in its raw state.
1: Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. <clears throat> That's interesting. And so then it just becomes, it, it, it doesn't become a long-term enterprise. It's right. just a scorched earth situation.
0: Totally, and then those people, Usually with all of that money that they're being paid a hundred times more, what happens is the lottery situation. So they make a whole bunch of money. They don't understand it fully because they're indigenous people and uh, they just know how to work and stuff. So when you get a ton of money that it's caused family problems and and the same problems it causes Mm -hmm. here or they're human. So when you work with them, you understand what they need, um, what's fair just above that, and then incentives along the way, like, listen, we will pay you a fair amount over what you're used to paying. And for the next 20 years.
1: Yeah, it's the consistency, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's creating an infrastructure and a long-term plan that can weather, you know, whether it's drought or a crop fails or something like that, right? Cause we've talked about this, yeah. like that's what's sort of, um, uh you know, sidelined a lot of these other plays to go down there and 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 develop businesses with these indigenous plants that yeah. they don't have the infrastructure or you know the kind of um, human resources and long term view to kind of weather those patterns and so then a crop fails and then you can't pay and then there's you know too much of it or you know whatever like how do you maintain that level of consistency so that you engender that trust. Totally. Because, you know, I'm just envisioning the small farmer. It's like, oh, here's Darren, he shows up. Like, well, why should I, first of all, why should I believe you? I've been burned, you know, a million times over. And the cattle industry is offering me this check. Like you have to convince me why I should say no to that big check that's guaranteed that all my friends are taking. If I don't and I go your route, perhaps I become a pariah in my community or, um, you know, I'm taking, why should I shoulder this risk? Yeah. Right?
0: Ultimately, you're going, at least what you have on your side is common sense and uh, sustainability of the environment. Oftentimes, these people live by the land, they live on the land, they live very simply. So they're usually in a situation that's dire. So therefore, they'll take these, you know, situations so they can live, they're living kind of day to day. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you show up more than once and you have your teams that come back and show more, uh, show up over and over again, and you say, listen, don't cut all these down, do as much work as you want. And we'll pay, we'll buy, this is what we say, we'll buy everything you're willing to collect for the next 20 years.
1: And the way it works is these villages have like, Receiver ships, right? Where, so the various farmers collect the baru nuts and they get deposited into like one location and then you kind of gather all of those collections. Yeah, up, there's right? tons of locations and tens of thousands of families. So it's not agriculture in the traditional sense of them like clearing a plot of land and growing these trees. It's just gathering what is already Fallen. sort of native to the land. So,
0: so this is it.
1: So that's a baru nut.
0: This is a baru right? nut. So,
1: so this is the thing with these things. They have this incredible, incredibly hard shell on them, yep. right? This is almost like a stone.
0: Yeah, yeah, very much. So there's for that,
1: those that are listening, it's about an inch and a half long, about a little, maybe an inch wide.
0: Yep. So on the outside, it's a fruit layer. So technically it's a seed. So there's one nut per fruit. Uh-huh. So you can hear it.
1: Right, if you shake it.
0: If you shake it, you can hear it. One nut, it's technically called a droop.
1: And the right? nut is like- a centimeter long, right? Yeah. It's it's smaller than a peanut,
0: right? It's a well, it's a, yeah, it's about a gram. Mm-hmm. It's a gram per about average twenty five grams per fruit,
1: right? Right, and so the traditional way of of extracting the nut from the shell is what like a sledgehammer.
0: Well, yeah, the interesting <laughs> thing, traditional, traditional meaning is far back is. And again, you don't find this out until you're actually there and you talk to enough people that have been involved in this stuff and villages and stuff. And so what they used to do is they, so the only way you can collect these, you can't, is a tree, but you can't collect it early. It literally, because the seed is not complete. Mm -hmm. It has to drop. It has to fall on the ground. So this is all fallen fruit. So when it falls, then they collect it right so 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 indigenously thousands of years they used to take it and so at the end of an embered evening of fire they would throw a bunch of these on the fire and and when the fire would go out and they'd wake up the next morning all of these were roasted Roasted. and so then they would eat more easily be able to break this very hard shell open and then crack it open it was a roasted nut because the anti-nutrients that are in here in it's raw state because it's like a good question people always ask, like, well, I wanna eat them raw and I'm like, well, but you can't because they're not made that way. So like there's a group of foods obviously that you can cook that bring out the nutrients. So we did all the tests after roasting and that's where the nutrient superiority really just blew us away.
1: Right. So let's take a step back. Like yeah. you, uh, you're the superfood hunter. You've been spending, <laughs> you know, I don't know, twenty years going down into these um, exotic locations and forest- foraging for, you know, crazy exotic superfoods. And uh, you got a whole bunch in front of you right here. Um, you know, everything from maca. What is this huge?
0: This is baobab see
1: right there. Baobab.
0: This is so. This is baobab from Africa and Madagascar. From a, a baobab tree, which is a sacred tree,
1: it looks like the size of a small coconut. Yes,
0: yeah, so it's a little ornamental, right? It hangs and it drops. And the funny thing is, that's it's already dried powder. You know, some people ask, "Well, how do you get dried powder?" It's actually already dried. So you break it, and this is what it's like inside. Mm-hmm. And there's a seed, and then you just you uh, separate the seed and the powder, and literally put it in a bag, and you're getting. Tons of vitamin C, uh, like calcium. Yeah, there's a seed in there, so don't crunch yeah. on it, but you can,
1: yeah. All right, I'll eat it after.
0: Yeah, so um, this is a very uh, important uh, food in, in Africa and in Madagascar, um, never really t- took an off. Uh, I think it's because um, it's, you know, again, you're talking with villagers, you're talking with, you gotta, I, I sat down with presidents of the village in, in the middle of nowhere and uh, you have to organize these things. So it's, you know, I'm one person. Uh, so some of these things I have to just, you know, manage my time and my right. resources to figure
1: that out. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. Where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. You are listening to this podcast because you care about improving your health and your well being. VoicingChange.media. You know, what I'm getting at is, you know, as somebody who has created this encyclopedia of these foods and their nutritional benefits, you've made this decision to like zero in on the baroo nut and yeah. like really pioneer the introduction of this nutritious superfood into the, you know, Western world, the developed world marketplace. So, why? The nut. like what is it about this nut that made you go? All right, I'm just going to put all my energy into this yeah. one thing, as opposed to, you know, the the baobab or right. one of these other ones, babassu
0: or, or moringa, and the moringa's got a whole nother story. But, uh, you know, it was several things. It was the nutritional profile compared to any other nut is far superior.
1: Right. So, what is the profile?
0: So it's got three times the fiber of any nut which is just ridiculous, right? And we're all lacking fiber. Um, The protein is superior than any nut. It's close to a peanut with protein, but it's got all the amino acids, which also is not heard of in a nut. So complete amino acid profile. Complete amino acid profile. The antioxidants, which is incredible. Um, 370 plus percent more than almonds. So it is just this power. And then the micronutrients, copper, zinc, calcium, magnesium, just wickedly high in. And then you have a third less calories from fat than any other nut. So you have this, and then on top of the, just the wow of the nutrients, which was hitting me, as soon as I tasted it, I was like, oh, oh my God, there's no American barrier to entry because it tastes like a peanut. Some people say it tastes like a you know, popcorn went to bed with a cashew. Like it's just this incredible, incredible taste profile on top of the nutrients, on top of the taste. And then, you know, why we're talking so much about the environment is because it's so intimately connected to preserving this huge landmass. And for me, Rich, when I've been out so much in the world, I am under no delusion that if we wanna do sustainable things, it's not gonna be necessarily from the government. It's not gonna be from some, great organization that's gonna solve all of our worldly problems. It's literally, I see deforestation from uh, village to village. Deforestation doesn't necessarily just happen by some person coming in, wiping out the landmass of France. It's small things added up over time. And so I really believe that the, and we know this by creating value back to the Baro tree, and, and proving to the indigenous people that we stand for you, we stand for the environment and we say what we, we are going to do and follow that up, that to me is an actionable thing that we can do to prevent uh, economic uh, environmental destruction.
1: Yeah, if you want to combat a negative market force, you have to create and produce a countervailing uh, sustainable market force with with equal heft and power, right? So this is the seed, literally the seed of doing that. And how do you, I have a bunch of observations, but first of all, like how do you ensure that, that you that this endeavor will continue to um, protect these people, preserve the land, and and sort of empower them to uh, to you know preserve their indigenous lifestyle and and to the extent that they can you know put up a stop sign to the countervailing market force that wants to clear the land for grazing.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's everything we've talked about in terms of. Uh, the only way that that can start is by going and talking to them and mm-hmm. seeing who they are, what they are, what are their problems.
1: And are they like, what is the organizational structure? Is it just a loose affiliation of villages and farmers? Is there like elders that you have to go to? Like, what is it? What is it like yeah. when you go in, you're like, all right, who's the guy I got to talk to? Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, the amount of quote unquote meetings and interviews we've had from the head researchers to the, we go to the universities. Who's studying this? Who's doing their doctoral thesis? Like we've had meetings with all these people and then we're like, okay, who's the guy that's done the organization? Who's also all of the, all the processors that have been trying to make this work in country? Who are all they? Uh, who's the head organize, organizers? And now who's the head chiefs? Because ultimately, yeah. It's these chiefs that are having some sort of uh, political uh, understanding of what's going on. So you you have to get from as many angles as possible. You gotta get exposed. Mm-hmm. You gotta have conversations, uh, exhaustive over and over and over and say the same thing. We are here and then over time, You find those people that have the same values. You find people that have uh, not done things well because everyone's human. Uh, You have failed NGO uh, reforestation projects. You have all kinds of stories that you're seeing. And so you're at the end of trips, you just got downloaded in a PhD of what this real situation is. And so now kind of the the aftermath of that is, oh, that guy does this. So if he, if we're gonna plant trees, which we are, right? Um, He's the head of the nursery, he understands graphing, he understands the strength of the tree, he knows the numbers, he knows how to distribute them, he knows all of that, so that's the guy. And then, okay, that chief, She's completely on board, and it was a it was a woman too, badass. One of the chiefs was a badass woman, which is so cool. She was like in her 30s, right? Wow, and just completely. I was just stunned. Mm-hmm. Very smart, very articulate,
1: uh, and and how do you prevent them from pulling them off the trees before they're fully ripe, and then delivering you, you know, uh, a batch that's not going to work? Well,
0: that's our quality control, yeah. our standards, which is all. Um, uh, you know the, the Brazilian standard won't work, and so we've had horrible situations where you're seeing, and this happens a lot. Indigenously, uh, they're just processing this stuff and cracking it and throwing it in bags that were once, you know, fertilizer and mm-hmm. like you know, you're you're going, oh yeah, this won't work for well, them. Well,
1: this is endemic in the superfood industry All over in general, the place. and we talked about this a little bit before you know, the moringa, the, the nutritional benefit that you think you're getting from the moringa that you're buying at your natural food market probably isn't delivering on the promise. Go if down the list. That's the case of most of them because there isn't this kind of quality control. There isn't enough um, regulation to ensure that the processing methods are, are what they should be. And there's an, uneducated or undereducated public to be able to differentiate. So, so much so that, I mean, I think your your estimates were like, basically it's all garbage, like with a very few exceptions when yeah. you go to, you know, spend your hard-earned dollars and these things are expensive, for sure you know, to make sure that you're actually getting what you think you're getting.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, Rich, my, I never, the only reason I started superfood hunting is because And that wasn't even a term I gave myself Mm -hmm. for sure. It was because my father was an agricultural professor from in Minnesota. I grew up around farmers. I grew up around some sense of uh, the business around it. Um, And by playing with these things and formulating with them and looking at them, how would you not have the morality and ethics of showing up and seeing where they're from how they're handled, how do, what, what's the real history, what's the real usage, and how do you process things to, to do what? My goal is a catalyst to let these things, all of these things in front of me, all of these said superfoods are just a catalyst for these nutrients to get to people so that those people can thrive period, that my why is way beyond superfood hunting because I suffered as a kid. I was having issues and challenges as a kid. I realized finally that what I was putting in my mouth made a difference in my brain, made a difference in my body, made a difference in my outlook. So all of that, that was in my DNA. So to be able to go out is, it to me and find these things and preserve the quality and preserve these things that have been used for thousands and thousands of years for really good reason. Uh, it is my mission to make sure that when people are, they're hard earned money and and they're not getting quality, they're not even getting active compounds that they were meant to get by by buying these, uh, that's a shame because they're they're then walking around going oh, it didn't do anything for me
1: right it's it's downright fraudulent and you're entering a marketplace like standing on the shoulders of an industry that for decades and generations has thrived in an environment of non transparency yeah right and we're now entering this new uh, era you know a, a generation of people who grew up on the internet and expect a certain level of transparency, demand it from the corporations and the, you know, the, the companies that they choose to, choose to, you know, purchase their products from. And there is, I've, I'm seeing like a renewed sense of responsibility from business owners, startups, you know, not yeah. just in food, but across the board to provide that level of transparency and to connect the consumer with the, not just the processes, but the people that are on the ground yeah. who are creating the products that they're patronizing.
0: Yeah, and, and, and drop the transparency, like drop the wall. Like mm-hmm. here they are, these are the real things. Guess where I had to go? You know to get. I them. know you That's guys. A...
1: So it's like we have this joke, Darren and I. Like I'll go to like the fancy Erewhon market, which is like the the natural foods market out here, where everything's super expensive, and I'll peruse the superfoods aisle. You know, there's <laughs> just aisles and aisles of like, yeah. you know, every product you can imagine, and and plenty of things that I've never heard of, and I'll take pictures of of. Of like, I'm like, this happened with Moringa. I was like, yeah. okay, I need to get, I, I wanna get the kind Moringa, Moringa, like, and so I'm taking pictures of all the different options that everyone I'm sending to you. What about this one? When you're like, no, don't get yeah. that one. What about this one? What about this one? It's probably okay. It's yeah, and I feel like not. there there needs to be some oversight and standards because I'm more educated about this stuff than the average consumer. So what if you're just like, hey, I heard Darren, he told me I should get this, it's cool. You go to whatever is available to you and you're either overwhelmed with the options or there's only one on the shelf, if yeah. that, and you're like, well, I'll take that. Yeah. And you showed me the difference between like a pure Moringa, which has this deep yeah. green, oh, there you have it. You have it like, yeah. look at how beautiful that green is. Look at you that. smell that? So it's that's a bag like, of like.
0: That's yours by the way. Wow, that's amazing. It. So, did you did you hand harvest this? That was yeah. That was done in conjunction with the Navajo Nation in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a friend who does operations, and the, na- the Napi, as they call them, the Navajo Nation, are doing a bo- big push to wow. move from um, mono, you know, straight up mono uh, pesticide agriculture to organic and stuff. So uh-huh. that was like a Pet project, but it was one of those, you know, things that I had to kind of buy my time and I didn't have enough time to, to uh, fully get into the production of Moringa at the right. moment.
1: But you have kind of, you, you do, you, you're kind of doing this on the side, right? Like you yeah. got a plot of land out in the yeah. desert where you're. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. but proving. Uh-huh. So I wanted to prove like, yeah. listen, the, here in the United States, I can grow and find an area that Moringa will thrive. Right, so we did. And um, I got a bunch of really really competent um, harvesters who had a lot of experience in the in the organic world and we did this little pilot project and and once we harvested it, it's friends of mine uh, who owned some companies we did a little I convinced them to let me you know use their processing line and uh, we did it and the nutritional value blew me away like I, I pulled this top whole uh, like wholesale one that they sell to most of the companies out mm-hmm. there. And then I pulled the top retail one, I'm not gonna name these names, but, and I, I did the nutritional value of this and, and of them. it was two to three times most of the micronutrients. Mm-hmm. And so that, wow. that, that goes back to what I'm saying, like and part of what I want people to get the nutrients, so that they can combat this modern day stressful world. And That's a whole nother conversation. In um, this underwhelming nutrient food that we have, so that you're not pulling around this suffering. Yeah. You know, I want people to freaking live. That's why I'm doing this stuff. Like I'm. Fascinated by it, but ultimately, I want people to consume the greatest foods in the world so they can not just exist, but they can actually, you know, thrive and have enough energy to kick some ass and live live the kind of dream life they want. That's yeah, ultimate. I
1: think that's that's something that gets lost in the conversation about nutrition. It's not just about like losing weight or, right. uh, you know, promoting longevity. These are great things, but you know, if you can rejuvenate yourself to a point where you truly are thriving in an optimal state, then the conversation needs to be about what you're gonna do with that, right? And I think something that gets underserved in the conversation about Darren is that I think, you know, like you're very clear and you said this to me many times, like I know what I'm here on earth to do. Like I'm very clear about that. But this is really like, a spiritual odyssey for you,
0: hundred percent. You know, and
1: you're coming from like this profound spiritual place. I know you've done a lot of work in that arena, and so it's much more than just like, hey, healthy food. Yeah.
0: Well, he's you know, talking about addiction hitting my life. You know, when my dad, I've said the story, so I don't need to get into it. But in 2005, when my dad passed away from 30 years of sobriety and started drinking again. It was when you, when I lost my father, there was something that hit me so bloody deeply through that pain that I was like, Darren, sorry audience, quit fucking around. You know what I mean? It's like, quit dabbling in this stuff. You've been to these things, you've seen things, take that knowledge and do something with it. Mm-hmm. And that and that to me has never left me, it never will. And so it expresses itself in Superfoods, it expresses itself in other projects, it expresses itself in, you know, why I called my book Superlife is because ultimately underneath all of it, Rich, I, I do want people, I want myself, I want you, I want the camera guys, I want people to live a super life. Like I really do like, cause the, the latter is just pain, suffering and existing. And we're all gonna hit that, but getting and cultivating the skills and getting the nutrient value so that you don't, you, you have the, you have more tools to deal with it and think straight and then figure out the other things that you need to support yourself. If that's finding a guru, if it's finding a practitioner, if it's listening. I mean, here's the thing about purpose. It's so easy to blow it off because it's a whisper. And that whisper is often taken over by a megaphone of all the other crap the world tells us we should do. You know that, Mm -hmm. right? Your freaking story is right down the center of that you're this, you're a lawyer, you're <laughs> studying this, like saying, so you know, oh, like, who, who is that? Right. So I get that. And I, I, listened, I listened to my father say this when I was nine years old. I could barely see over the dashboard of the car. And I asked my dad, don't know, asked me how I did. I said, what do you want in your life? And my dad said, I wanna sail because I was in the Navy and I always wanna have a boat. I wanna be in the sunshine and here we are in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanna motorcycle again and feel the wind on my face. And see. So he had a few other things. I, I heard that. And then I spent the next 30 years with that man and him not fulfilling that stuff. Do you think that his addiction and his sadness, and his pain, and his anger of a all the things that that came from from his childhood, but also not fulfilling his right. purpose that he revealed to me, and the the gift that he gave me was I heard it, but I am gonna actually do it, and somewhere in me, I. I heard that and I felt that.
1: Right, well, a couple things. First of all, (laughs) highly abnormal for a nine-year-old kid to ask his dad like this profound question about his life. So there's something about you that is unique in that regard. And the fact that you remember it, like it was such a memorable um, event in your life that created like a compass and and a sense of direction. And then second to that is the simplicity of his responses to that question. Like, I like being on the water, I like the sun. It's like, it's not like, oh, I need a mansion and a jet or like, no. it's like very basic things that <clears throat> really, I mean, the boat, you know, we can talk about that, but beyond that, like what he really wants is like that sense of freedom and what he feels like on the water, 100%. right? And those are not necessarily tied to socioeconomic status. They're they're achievable goals, <laughs> you know what I mean? And the fact that for whatever reason, he became a prisoner of his conditions and was never able to, um, you know, access those very basic, you know, human needs. I mean, I've, that's what I like. It's one of the reasons I moved. I, I like the sun. I like the water. I like the mountains. Mm-hmm. Here we are. Yeah. You know, and it's there's there's tragedy in that yeah. in some regards. It's sad.
0: You know the the cool thing about our relationship, my dad was you know angry, drunk, you know sober. Uh, The scar on my chin that maybe the audience can see was when my dad got sober for the first time after. Uh, He accidentally catapulted me in the garage from a slamming the door. He didn't know I was there Um, in a drunken stupor. And it catapulted me into the sea of beer bottles on a concrete floor and like a bowling ball uh, I slammed into them, broke them open, and my chin nearly mm. got cut off. And this was, you know, four. Yeah. So- uh, The
1: symbolic nature of it, of you crashing into beer bottles too. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like empty ones or full ones? Uh, they must've been empty. Yeah. Right? Gotta got to save those, gotta collect those. Yeah. Right? A trophy to the-
0: For sure. To the
1: <laughs> extent
0: to which he imbibed. Yeah, and then that that's when he got sober for the first mm. time. Scared him, but uh, you know he got scared again, and his demons came back. But the cool thing about our relationship was uh, there was nothing that was on the left on the table. Um, the as we were adults, and we bonded incredibly. Like he did get a motorcycle at one point, and ultimately got rid of it for some other weird ass reasons. That ultimately um, he kind of didn't feel he deserved it and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, before he died, there was nothing that I wasn't honest with him about and nothing he wasn't honest that I know of yeah. that he wasn't honest with me. And
1: So you guys um, were good. We were yeah. good. And what, what do you think triggered the relapse after that many years in sobriety? Well, I think it was,
0: it was an un uh, dealt with pain, so keep in mind uh, in 1941 or two, when he was born, he was the youngest of three and his oldest brother who was 20 years old. Um, he was one, he was 20 and he got killed in World War II. So their golden child, I think he's like he was dating an actress. Mm. He was doing really well. He was charismatic. He was all this stuff, um, and then the grief of that was the petri dish of how my dad grew up. So there was this, and then he, you know, he he grew up with two engineer brothers, very linear. One worked at Boulder at the Atmospheric Research Center, and the other one worked was a head, one of the head engineers for the Alaska pipeline. These guys were smart. Like I felt stupid around them. Like, like, like they can go uh, read off uh, photographic memories and like all this stuff. And my dad has got two parts, very smart, but also very empathic, mm-hmm. right? So he's just like, who am I? I'll be a professor. So he was a professor for a while. He's like, wait a minute, I wanna connect with people. So became a counselor, wait a minute. I don't wanna live in Minnesota. And so he was just kind of a, you know, a tennis match inside Mm -hmm. of himself. And ultimately, you know, it just, he wasn't fulfilled. Right. And he felt
1: trapped. Yeah. Yeah, and that's heavy for you, you know, to carry that around, but to be able to process that and and use it as, um, you know, an example of of mistakes you don't wanna make in your own life. And to kind of, like I said earlier, um, gauge that you know compass to, hundred percent forge your path. Hundred yeah. percent. There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene, is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation. A groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most. Mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. Let's get back to the Baruka stuff, Baruna. So you've got like, so you make this decision, like I'm gonna make a business out of this. Like I'm gonna empower these people and I'm gonna bring this thing that no one, you know, in America or North America, the Western developed world has ever even really heard of, I mean, from, a marketing perspective, that's a challenge. Yeah, And I can't imagine the infrastructure. I know you've been laying like the infrastructure for the past couple of years down there. So like We're you've done. got like boots on the ground and trucks and like processing, you figured out how to like crack these things open, right? You have Faster. To, like make your own machine to do yeah. that. Like yeah. how, is it like some kind of, what is it? Like a press?
0: Well, there's there's several, there's several different cracking mechanisms. There's a hydraulic one that's just mimicking a blade Coming down and, and cracking it, mm-hmm. like cracking it right here, and just breaking in then and, and you can increase that speed, but indigenously, like I said, way back then they were thrown on the fire, but as of recently they'll just take a machete and try to break that open. and you imagine how uh repetitive and ine- inefficient that is, not to you mention can't expo- do that at
1: scale yeah
0: uh, and it's exposing it to all kinds of you know pathogens and stuff, so we we have employed engineers around the world who are constantly still, Um, we wanna get it up to a very high efficiency, but we've collapsed it down into being pretty efficient. Um, But we're also now with the fruit, right? So I had this idea when we're out there. So this fruit layer, right?
1: Right, the actual seed, the 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 seed that encases the nut. Yeah, so it's the
0: yeah, so it's this fruit which is a droop. So the the fruit layer is actually if you you can actually taste on. So that little. So
1: he's got like a mason jar. This so it's like a trail mix. So this is the, the
0: ultimate alchemy of trail mix.
1: So I've had the the nut, but I haven't had the right. fruit. Itself. So I have
0: it with it. How amazing is that? So when I was. Out there, I saw
1: dude. That's f- crazy. the 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 um the fruit almost tastes like graham crackers.
0: It's crazy, <laughs> isn't it?
1: That's really with good. Super
0: high fiber mm-hmm. again, with tons of antioxidants, um, and very low sugar. Right. So, so when I saw this, and and when I saw this in the in in we saw a 5-year-old beru fruit and i looked at it as if it was a day old and mm-hmm. i was like how is it that that fruit does not break down at all and i you know i ate it and i was like it tastes like a fresh one how is that possible what's going on in the preservation and the resiliency of that fruit so in the car in the 9 Hour drive through the Sahadu at one point. I grabbed a bunch of these, took a pocket knife, and I started peeling all these. And I'm like, I'm bringing this back to the States. I'm going to test this stuff. And that's when the micronutrients and the antioxidants and the fiber, I was like, and then I got back and I did some dehydration and all this stuff. And we're like, holy cow, a perfect synergy of a trail mix.
1: What is the nutritional profile of the fruit?
0: Yeah. So it's, a, like like I said, a ton of the antioxidants, mm-hmm. a lot more fiber, um, vitamin E, which is great, uh, calcium, magnesium, vitamin C, like incredible. And then th- this is just discarded. So again, you're looking at a sustainable structure here is like, why would we throw that away when it's got such a high nutrient value? And so that's, you know, when we're gonna launch the Kickstarter, we're launching it with the idea of, of introducing the fruit, the ultimate, the super trail mix, right, mm-hmm. um, together. Um, because there's, I'm, always, I'm always blown away at alchemy. Alchemy in nature, uh, when you see it with medicinal plants and you see the synergy, another great example of that is coffee fruit, coffee bean and the fruit and if you do the, if you dry those correctly together the benefit of the bean with the fruit is exponentially greater oh, than any one on their own so for example the antioxidant level is through the roof like the fruit's discard that's another thing like it's the coffee Why fruits. are we doing
1: that? How come we're not eating the coffee beans? Because fruit? it's the co- it's the coffee and it, it, it,
0: it as soon as it's harvested it goes you it ferments right away. Right. So, so that's you, the
1: difference between this cuz this doesn't it stay it it, it stays there's a
0: preservation there. and when you start looking at nature nature will tell you like adaptogens too like adaptogens being in severe environmental stressors the beautiful alchemy of that is wow if we consume them, it helps us deal with stress. How crazy is that, right? From, from uh, chaga to cordyceps to ashwagandha to astragalus to rhodiola to schizandra, all of these different types of adaptogens. So when I look, I'm looking through the lens of, of that experience and so I'm like going, there's an alchemy here. There's not only your, you just experienced the taste alchemy Right, but now there's a nutritional superiority of consuming both together, and you're getting that much Mm -hmm. more of a complete. um, Again, fulfilling my deepest desire of now, I just got rich more nutrients than he (laughs) had before
1: (laughs) in a very direct one-on-one way. (laughs) For sure, yeah, for sure. The mental health piece is so important. You know, I mean, here we are. We're in the we're in the wake of of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, you know, both making the choice to. And their lives, and, and I think it's it's kind of um, created uh, an interest in having a conversation that we really need to have about the importance of mental health. And you know, I said this on social media recently: like, mental health isn't everything, but it's pretty fucking close, yeah. right? And in my experience, you know, I experienced this at our retreat recently. You get a bunch of people together who are seemingly very high functioning or are very high functioning. And it looks like life is good and you create a safe container where they feel like they can be vulnerable and all you have to do is poke them. And then you realize like we're all struggling in various ways and we're not really dealing with these issues to the extent that they demand. Yeah. Right? So what in your experience is the relationship between some of these foods and these other practices that you're adept at and have been exploring on the mental health equation?
0: It's a great question, Rich, and something that, you know, again with my dad being uh unstable was intimate in my life and um I you know, here's the thing. I I think that my dream would be to have people have better knowledge of, access to, and the ability to take care of the foundational vases, and that is sleep well, get out in the sun, uh, drink good water, eat a bunch of plants, um, move your body, eliminate modern day stressors, toxic loads, EMFs, stuff that's real, it's not hokey pokey, it's real stuff affecting us. Um, In the worst condition, take medication from a qualified, I would say functional medicine doctor who understands nutritionally and biochemically. Um, and, And then put yourself into positive stressful situations that evoke uh, um, the body turning on kind of its natural instinct mm-hmm. of, of accomplishment, of uh, overcoming. Um, so I, th- I think in all of those situations, if you do not have a foundation of of, of those things, it's like trying to push a, a boulder uphill. If I'm running around, it's very clear on the evidence and water alone. If kids don't drink water and they go to school, their test results are in the toilet. I forget the exact stat, but it's like a thirty percent actually
1: studied that yeah. the impact of water oh, on Yeah. Scholastic performance. Oh,
0: huge. And I have some in my book, I forget the exact, but it was like a few out, like a glass of water increased their performance by like 20 or 30%. Really? Yeah. Wow. Dehydration, bro, is like so destructive that and the reptilian brain won't even allow you to think of the thirst because you have seven to 10% of Americans not even drinking an ounce of water a day are just going to their coffee and existing and living on adrenaline. um, That is their up and go molecule in their body that was only meant to get away from a lion, but they're living on it 24 seven. You are frying your hormonal system. You're frying your central nervous system, i.e. brain. um, And we, we expect to then respond to this modern day, overachieving situation when you're basic. And also the other thing I said is proper breathing, right? What I didn't say is your basic needs of you're going against your basic physiological need. So when, when at the root of autism, they've found dehydration, lack of nutrition, uh, These kinds of situations. So I I always look at, which is why I didn't write a superfood book. I wrote a super life book about foundational stuff because I told the publisher, I don't want to write it on superfoods because I don't want to be put in a thing like this is going to cure you or take you away. No, I want you to understand that there's foundational things that you can do that 99% of the people on the planet are going to thrive in if you take care of that. So all of these other things and even medications are like showing up to a forest fire with a little squirt gun.
1: Yeah, if you're, you could be, you know, look, here's this beautiful moringa. Like you could be eating (laughs) this and brew nuts all day and like, you know, the maca and whatever. But if you're, you know, an asshole and you're not sleeping well (laughs) and you hate your boss and. And you know, you're know you're just not being mindful about these or intentional about these other areas of your life. Like you're not gonna be healthy. Yeah. You have to understand and appreciate the delicate balance of all of these systems and addressing them holistically. And I think it starts with <clears throat> this realization that most of us, the vast majority of us are living our lives reactively when we have a choice to live intentionally. Totally. And don't misunderstand. That doesn't mean you up and quit your job the next day. But, you know, how do you approach your sleep every night? Are you mm-hmm. just, you know, dozing off to television shows at two in the morning and waking up at five or six because, you know, you weren't conscious about how you're managing your time or what's the first thing that you're grabbing in the morning? Like, are you reacting and just in a pattern or a habit that you've always practiced? Or are you making conscious decisions about how to improve those little things that don't cost money but require some conscious energy? Totally.
0: Yeah, and I think I think one thing I became aware of is if you don't intend your life, if you don't set in motion what it is that you want, guess what? That choice is going to be made for you. Yeah, I know what that's like. Yeah, you'll be reacting to your life. And so many people are like, oh, I, just, I just got through the day. Oh, 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 oh man, like, like, oh, but you're doing nothing to, to, to grow the, the part of you that wants to cultivate the life that will give you joy. Mm-hmm. It's not easy, mm-hmm. but if you don't give your energy to it, uh, then that wolf inside of you goes hungry. And then the other wolf uh, who is just reacting all the time is hungry. So now you're just addicted to that weird ass life, getting by next thing you know, you blink a year, five years, 10 years, and you're like, what am I doing? What is the life that I want? I, I mean, I spend every morning I have to. It's almost like I'm dysfunctional. I know. Let's
1: I let's walk through <laughs> the daily routine of Darren because oh it's something to behold. Like, what do you get up at like three thirty every day? I did today. Did you?
0: Yeah. It's usually it's usually four.
1: What time do you go to bed? Eight. Eight.
0: Yeah. It's usually pretty much eight. Uh-huh. This is the melatonin drip in my brain. Yeah. I can feel. and like. Um. But so yeah, you know, sleep again. It's a foundational thing. You mess with that. There's no amount of superfood that's gonna get you over the, the the recovery and the rest and the the what your body needs to, to restore yourself. So um so that is for sure without a doubt. I don't compromise on that. It takes me a lot to break the eight o'clock world.
1: Yeah, no social dinners. No,
0: I mean listen, of course I will. Yeah. But I I also like I will hedge my bet. Okay, let's go earlier. But um so, you know, that and then I wake up and um go for the water, you know, I got my apparatuses making my water. We won't get into that right now, but
1: Yeah, we talked about that at length on the last one. Right. And and uh, we were talking before the podcast with Julie because we got to sort out our water situation here at the house. We got to get set up. Yeah,
0: get a whole house system, and then we'll get a house system, and and then
1: get our water. Get some hydrogen action.
0: Um, So that, and then I make some sort of super elixir with several medicinal plants, tons of adaptogens, and that's kind of my the start of the the ritual, right? Mm-hmm. So then I'll go in and the, the, my dog Chaga, it kind of gives an indication of.
1: Yeah, where your uh, head's at.
0: <laughs> where my head, my favorite <laughs> superfood is. So Chaga comes in, he lays down, get a second sleep. I come in and I, then I do a meditation. Um, I use some, uh, sometimes I use some brain devices, some uh, helping the right and left brain uh, communicate through, uh, some some uh, light and some um, uh, frequency technology, and then so I'll meditate for about thirty minutes, and then I'll just move right into kind of a stream of consciousness writing that that is just really centered in the meditation, and then I will you know sometimes that is working out a problem mm-hmm. if I have one or something on, is on my mind and the other, it will always end in where I'm going and what I'm doing. And I may have said the same thing a thousand times, this project, that project, da, da, da. like I am always starting my day with that in my consciousness. I believe will in- Will
1: you journal until you arrive at that level of clarity or do you stop at a certain page limit or time? No,
0: I mean, it's. it could be five minutes, it could be, another 30, you know, it's usually in that zone, but I'll get there pretty quick. I mean, I've, I've honed my, this is what this is about. Mm -hmm. And, and my tuning fork of ultimately where I'm going is pretty sharp now, Um, but it feels good. It feels good to tune into that, which I wanna create. Uh, So I always love you know, I start with gratitude. I start a lot of things I'm grateful for, and I kind of warm up in the writing with all of that, um, because it, I don't want to come out of. I need to do that, and therefore
1: I'll arrive, and
0: like all that stuff. I want to do it because I'm excited to put it in the world and generate.
1: Right. It's more about like, what, what is the headspace I want to be in? And what is the energy I want to cultivate that will propel me in that direction? So it's not about a specific goal necessarily, but kind of a wavelength where you want to live. Yeah.
0: And then very concretely, because I have some very concrete new projects that I've been cultivating for years now that are very concrete, like Mm -hmm. this guy. And I'll I'll employ the universe, man. I have no qualms about universe, get that agreement signed. And anything that doesn't allow that to sign, just destroy that. Like I I will be that, Uh like I will employ the universe as my assistant to just go and listen for the highest good, right? So. Like I, I, you
1: you put a little of that energy to work to to land this incredible abode, (laughs) you know this ranch where you now live on, and you know hidden in the woods of the Malibu mountains, totally hidden, yeah.
0: Around mountain lions, bobcats, Uh hawks, owls.
1: Is that bobcat still coming by? Oh yeah, man. Really? Two weeks ago. In your yard?
0: No. Oh, the bobcat. Yeah, the bobcat hasn't for the last six months, but the mountain lion showed up a couple weeks ago. Wow. Big, big male mountain lion.
1: What does Chaga do?
0: Um, He didn't see that one. He saw the female mountain lion. (laughs) I've got an active place (laughs) and he wanted to go after her Uh and I pulled him off, but that was good. It's good for him to not be afraid, but not good for him if he's actually gonna fight. Yeah, that's not Um, gonna end
1: well for him. No,
0: but uh, it's humbling because I, I live in, the forest and I live in nature and I am not about to change that. I'm not about to make a footprint to scare these things away. I am a part of them and they're a part of me and we live here together. I'm just walking around with a 90 pound German Shepherd and a machete in uh-huh. case.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanna follow this thread through of, of your morning routine and your day yeah. routine, but, but I wanna pause and, and reflect a little bit on this idea of living in intentionally and with like a focused purpose, to make the point that it's not like a one time thing like this is a this is a, a an evolving journey, right? And you've recently gone through kind of a renaissance in your own perspective about how you're directing your career like you're a very enthusiastic guy, like you get super excited about these projects, and you had this kind of moment of reckoning not too long ago where you realize like that enthusiasm left you spread too thin and committed to too many different projects and you yeah. had to kind of like pause and go what am i doing and right. you ended up kind of cleaning house in order to get focused on the things that are most important and this is somebody who i mean how long have you been practicing the meditation and the journaling right so it's not it's not sure. like oh i'm clear like this is always changing and evolving and and there's you know there are still Blind spots, yeah, right.
0: Well, every step you take in the world opens up a different door. So it's not like I can journal about the same thing because a different door opened maybe that week, that month, mm-hmm. and I didn't know, I didn't see that. The universe has got got this more than me, and so yeah, it is humbling, Rich. You know, like I, there's a zillion things I want to put in the world, and I get super excited about <laughs> yeah. it, and I have every intention that uh-huh. I'm going to do it. And when I kind of sat with this reality that I'm like, oh, I'm not moving this forward, I'm actually suffering and bleeding a little bit financially and my time and emotionally, and I had to get rid of an incredible team. Uh, I had some incredible women that were championing my, you know, what I was doing, and it was the hardest it was the hard, one of the hardest things to to kind of go i have to do this i have to take a time out and i that that reassessment to then refocus on the things that ultimately mattered i was losing a little bit going oh i should do this oh i should do well cuz other people are doing that and i'm like that that was hurting me mm-hmm. and uh that was humbling so i had to yeah i had to switch and and and, and th- you know, taking a break from the Instagrams and all of that stuff and just going, you know what? I am really clear my big cultivation here is. So all this little stuff that will come, mm-hmm. uh, come what may right now. And uh, I'm putting some energy into massive projects right now and I'm f- so fired up but also now grounded because it's a lot of work to put something in motion and to put teams together and to you know ultimately some of these things are going to ruffle some feathers when they get out there in a in a really good way but uh I'm really excited.
1: Yeah, so how many people do you have involved in the in the Knot project for Lucas?
0: Yeah, so Barukas it's uh I have a really really good badass uh uh kind of, I mean, he won't say he's, he's the COO, but he is. And uh, so uh, Seth is just incredible. One of the, he's traveled with me in a lot of countries. So he understands so much of, of what's going on. And he's in a place in his career where he doesn't need money. Mm-hmm. He just wants to do it right. Is it awesome? And then- Rob Yeah, I ree- met him.
1: He's super cool. Like he said, he's retired like four times or something like right. that.
0: <laughs> and I threw this yeah. at him and he couldn't stop himself. Uh-huh. And then Rodrigo who's the Brazilian who ultimately introduced me uh, was, and was questioning is like, do you, could, could we do this? Like, I'm Brazilian, I wanna help with this thing. And, and, then, and then he's turned and out he's to be- He's the guy
1: who tried to do it on his own.
0: Well, yeah, they, they, they had seen this thing and they were thinking that it was possible, but they didn't really know. And I think that's why he reached out to me. He goes, well, if anyone's gonna know, if anyone's gonna help, uh, it's this guy. So, um, and then, so he's turned out to be just a badass, just works right. hard and cares. And, and, then, and then Justin, who, who I've worked with and several, well, Seth was worked with a few times. Everyone's just in the right spot, you know? And we're just all about uh, doing it right. Mm-hmm. Um, let's plant trees. Let's make this sustainable for the people and let's get get out the, the greatest nut on the planet. Why are you doing a Kickstarter? Well, because you know we're we're uh, again, we're in this engineering thing where the the nut, the the nut's one thing to crack, which we're spending time, resources, and money to do that. But it's also now how to shave this efficiently, the the fruit off of the nut. This doesn't exist, um, so we really want to raise the awareness, um, and, and if there's any capital, great, uh, mm-hmm. let's let's do that. But it's ultimately the biggest, personally, the biggest reason we want to raise money so we can plant trees like right now, uh-huh. because 15 years giving these trees out to to the indigenous people so that they replant them in the wild. Um, we wanna get millions of trees. And that is ultimately why we're creating this Kickstarter. Right. We, so
1: how much are you trying to raise through that?
0: I don't know what we're gonna set, uh, but we're gonna get some eyeballs on this thing. And I and I urge everyone to like go out and, and tell your friends and family, because this is really rubber meets the road, voting with your dollars. By you ordering some of the trail mix, you'll get, you know, an incredible experience with great nutrition, but you're literally helping an environment um, and you're helping the indigenous people directly. Because like I said, if we're not in the symbiosis with the people and the planet, this project wouldn't even exist. So that's ultimately our biggest goal.
1: Yeah, every consumer is empowered with the ability to shift and change culture by voting with your dollar, okay. right? So you can go and buy what you've always bought and that ultimately is supporting, you know, you you are voting for those companies to succeed. So who exactly. are you voting for? Exactly. Are you voting for somebody who is, you know, damaging the planet and poisoning children or are you, you know, investing in the future really and investing in true sustainable agriculture that's empowering indigenous people and also at the same time uh, nourishing your body in a, in, a, in a profound way. So you, you rolled this thing out and when did these first become available? Because they've been, you know, you're, I, they're at Air One, like you can buy, you, they're at Sun Life, you know, Khalil's yeah. shop, friend of the podcast. Yeah. Um, so I'm seeing them around and what's great, I mean, first of all, I haven't even said it, they're like incredibly delicious, dude. They're yeah. like, they're so tasty that they're addictive mm-hmm. and even like my daughter, Mathis, she goes to Sun Life and she buys them. She's like, oh my God. She's like, that's your friend Darren's company? I can't, Like if I eat them, I have to eat like the whole bag. Like I can't stop eating them. They're so good. And she's finicky, you know, like she's not easy to please. So, you know, for an adolescent, you know, teenager to enjoy a food that's super good for you, that's like, that's such a win, you know?
0: That's what we found. The Mm -hmm. kids would, uh, you know, our friend Neil Strauss, right? Yeah. So he sent me a video of his son, 10, uh-huh. two years old, crying on video. Danny, give me Baruchas, I want Baruchas, give me <laughs> Baruchas. I'm like, I died laughing. So the thing is, again, the the no barrier to taste entry for Americans, plus the nutrients, plus good for the environment, that's why I did it. That, that's why I focused on Baruchas to like this this called me this wasn't even my this wasn't even a choice mm-hmm. i had to do it
1: yeah it's not like like maca is an acquired taste like moringa is very exotic but the baru nut meets the american pa- palate like where it's at because Bingo. it does taste very it's like a better tasting version of a peanut it's better i think it's better and yeah. and to know that the nutritional profile like blows a peanut away and and is better than an almond, like I love almonds, but the water input oh. for almonds is insane, you know, so I feel like I have this weird pang of guilt every time I'm eating almonds or making my own almond milk yeah
0: well it's it's the the amount of water they use for one year of cultivation of almonds uh is as much as all of l a uses that's crazy
1: all of l a yeah.
0: Like, I mean it's not uh, as
1: bad as beef or dairy to be clear right. but like in terms of the plant kingdom it's the I think it might be the one of most water intensive yeah. plants to grow and they grow them like crazy here in California yeah. an area where you know drought is a very real thing
0: and this is this is uh wild this is no there's no outside water it's what 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 it taps into and in right. the aquifer and what rains on it like that's it
1: and just to be fair you know there is a. It, it's not without its carbon footprint though, because you got to import these things from sure. Brazil. So we yeah. can't. They, can you grow them here, or they, is it something about the Sahadu and the? Yeah, it's a
0: very very particular biome. Um, we haven't found that it would thrive, and uh-huh. you would take you probably uh, two to three cycles of the tree growing. Let's say it matured in fifteen years it may die off in the next 30. So you don't, you don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm a firm believer that when a, the planet has chose a particular area to grow something, then there's a reason for it. And I like to, my view is outweighing the carbon footprint is allowing for the indigenous people to thrive for the planet to be, to the, the Sahada to be resurrected and for people to have better nutrients.
1: And it's it. a prophylactic against the encroaching, you know, deforestation yeah. of the cattle industry. Yeah.
0: So our calculation is that there's far, far outweighs the footprint of that. And again, we're very, very conscious of of utilizing it in the most sustainable way. And that's mm-hmm. why we've taken two and a half years to, to get it to where it can be talked about and
1: shared now. Are you like, you're selling these from the website right now? Yeah. Can you get them nationwide? Or where yeah. are you, sh- are you shipping worldwide? Like where? Uh,
0: we're starting to open up uh, the world, but we're a little far from that. But um, certainly nationwide, baruchas.com or Amazon.
1: And do you, you know. want to maintain the direct to consumer model, or is the intention that you'll have this in, you know, retail grocery stores? And yeah, we're way. not a, we're not opposed to that. I like the idea of people getting it directly because it
0: just allows it allows for efficiency, economic efficiencies. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, a few retailers want it. We're not going to say no. Yeah. Um, we have some big, big. Distributors, big, big. And I'm, I'm not gonna name them now because we're under agreements and stuff, but we have some of the biggest that want them right now. Yeah. And and again, there might be a lot of people coming into this wanting it, but to actually have a sustainable supply um, is very, very, very difficult.
1: There's no end to like what you can do too. You could make butters out of this. Oh. If you try to make a milk out of it. Yes, yeah,
0: milk's insane. Butter is insane. Neil Strauss's wife made, remember those, uh, do you have those uh, peanut butter cups Uh with brew in the middle, like crazy. Uh So we we have- That's
1: gotta be part of the plan, right? And
0: then we have a Himalayan salt dusted nut that is just out of your mind delicious. So
1: yeah, we have some plans. It's exciting, man. Totally exciting! Yeah. So, what do you think? Like the the time frame is to like get this into mainstream awareness and everybody's pantries.
0: I'm hoping in the next month, man.
1: In the next month, wow. Yeah,
0: yeah I think we we're. I mean, I want to I want to get attraction straight away because we we're coming into harvest season.
1: You guys are sitting on a a bounty of Can you fulfill demand?
0: We can fulfill a lot of demand right now, yeah. and we want to know more of what that demand is so we can go gather like right now like an infinite amount um so uh yeah we're able to to you know w- what we've been doing is we're sitting on a a, a large supply for this very reason right. too so
1: right that's exciting man. yeah
0: yeah it's you know it's just again i'm in this place in the career i'm not doing it for the money per se i'm doing it because it's the right thing to do. And again, I want, I, there's nothing gives me greater joy than to see you eat those and to see other people eat them because I know all of what we've discussed today is real and it's something that we've worked very hard and you're getting something incredible for your body. And that to me, I knew the moment I started superfood hunting and I started giving my formulas away to people. That just is like the biggest puts the biggest smile on yeah, my face. It's cool, man. Yeah.
1: Well, I want to wind this down, um, but you know, before we kind of close the book on this, on this subject, this theme of of mental health, because it's it, it has been, I mean, look, it's been weighing on me heavily, and I haven't spoken about it very directly, but you know, Anthony Bourdain represents this kind of person that was almost magical. Like he, he, you know, he transcended the silos in which we now find ourselves. Like he could um, communicate with a Trump supporter just as well as he could communicate with an Obama supporter. Like there was no political divide when it came to his sort of fan base. And as a guy, I mean, he lived a life very similar to yours. Like he was a, he was a, he was a, he was a food hunter. He yeah. was, a, he was a, um, a, an explorer of cultures. You know, and exactly. he's, he devoted his life to, um, to visiting these indigenous cultures all over the world and, and took the time to commune with them, to understand them, to literally break bread with them exactly. in an effort to like make the world a little bit smaller. Yeah. You know? And what you've done is I see a lot of similarities and i feel like we need more of that now we need more of the you know the these these people who can bridge the divide and help us communicate better and you know on a personal level like he was the expression of like kind of like every guy's dream like he gets to travel the world and he eats this amazing food and he gets to share it and make these amazing tv shows out of it yeah. and i think that is part and parcel of why it was so Impactful when he made the choice to depart the planet in yeah. the way that he did, um, and if there is a silver lining in that, beyond just celebrating his life, it's that we can have a conversation about focusing on mental health, trying to uh, invest in our well-being beyond uh, beyond just you know fitness or yeah. weight loss. To get really real with something that I think ails most people in our anxiety-ridden, overly stressed, you know, scroll-obsessed mm-hmm. culture that is leaving us depleted, and depressed, and and um, and despondent yeah. in many cases. So, to the extent that you can, like, leave us by imparting a little bit of wisdom about how some of these foods that you've explored. Could help benefit people's mental well-being or some lifestyle practices uh, that people can begin to incorporate into their own lives that might begin to, you know, address, you know, provide a little bit of comfort and ease. Not and not this is not to say like Western medicine doesn't have its place in the conversation about depression mm-hmm. specifically, but more to the point that we have more control over these things than I think we've been led to believe.
0: I agree hundred percent. And just to touch on that, Anthony Bourdain is, uh, will be missed because of that spirit that he had and for what he did. And without a doubt, I was impacted for 10 years. People, yeah, he had
1: to be like a, a, a sort of beacon for you. Yeah,
0: when you have people like him and you have like Dan Buettner and you have people that have hit the trail, you don't think that I'm like on, you have Chris Killam, right? Medicine Hunter, like all these people um, are people that I totally respect because it's almost like a blue collar rubber meets the road. Like, so you're seeing this truth in what they're finding and then they're sharing it. So he's he was doing that and I respect that. And, you know, someone that uh, you know, people have been wanting to do a superfood hunting show for t- ten years. So I've mm-hmm. always looked at him as he that was the guy. Of that. Yeah, he yeah. was the guy doing that. Um, I think back to your, you know, like I alluded to it before in the foundational side of it. I think I think breathing is a very very powerful thing that you can do. And I'm not just saying like breathe. I'm saying like nose breathing. Mm-hmm. Shut your mouth. Breathe through the nose. Do that multiple times a day. If you do it before you eat, which would help once you start breathing through your nose, it turns your your stress sympathetic nervous system. It turns starts to turn that off and it's turns It's an immediate
1: in the, state change.
0: Exactly. So the parasympathetic. And then you can get into, you know, the Oxygen Advantage is a great book that talks about. That you should get that guy on the podcast. Right, and Brian
1: McKenzie is doing some interesting. stuff. who did he partner with? Some guy guy from Stanford, or he's doing
0: some research on this. He's doing. um, I'm not going to reveal too much, but he's doing some stuff that Uh will be accessible. Uh, Also, a big shout out to him. He just had a severe neck injury and surgery, so um, we just wish him uh, well. Um, Been thinking about him a lot. Um, So yeah, he's doing a lot. Obviously, Wim Hof. Uh, he, he was just a really renegade. Put it into the mainstream, yeah. In a huge, way. Um, and then Laird, Laird Hamilton, Gabby Reese. Mm. I mean, all they're you know friends of mine. And um, but realizing how powerful. Like I've done, I've, I've done DMT. I've done ayahuasca. I've done things like that. But when I realize that, oh, it really is the breath. It isn't the you know, uh, there's a place for psychedelics and all that stuff in our culture, there always has been. For me, I'm like, I see that door that's open just through breathing exercises every morning. I didn't say that in my morning thing, I do breath work. So I do all nose breathing and I do some inhale holds, some exhale holds and stuff like that and that- Is there
1: a specific protocol that you adhere to that people who are listening can find somewhere online or is there a tradition uh, like where- can people learn more about that? Well, there's certainly
0: a lot of tradition, but again, Wim Hof has some stuff, xptlife.com with Gabby and Reese have a lot of stuff on it. Um, I have a very simple thing that uh, inhale for five count, hold for five count, exhale for five count, for five count, hold for five count, and then just keep repeating that, right? And it will completely shift your brain and your state and and do it all through the nose. Um these are ancient practices. It just it's great how it's now come back around and now the performance guys and the and the, you know, all of these different types of people are like, "Oh, wow, the breath stuff." I mean, this is ancient tummo breathing from the mm-hmm. the the monks that would go out naked and put sheets of cold wet cloth on there and they generate so much heat they dry the damn wow. cloth off. So so breath is huge in changing the brain state. And then you have, uh, you know, obviously food and you and I both agree, go for plants and eat as many as you can, get the nutrient rich ones. And there's a place for superfoods, right? The place is because of our modern day stripped out food and overstressed, we need these damn plants um, to counteract that stress. Um, obviously move exercise, move your body, these change. I mean, I remember in my master's program in psychology, uh, one lady was kind of freaking out, like going through a process and blah, blah, blah. And the, and the, the PhD teacher said, um, I hear you. Could you just run around the, the class? She was like, oh, well, what? <laughs> just take a little jog uh-huh. because that little jog that took 10 seconds changed her complete state. Right, so we underestimate how powerful these foundational things are, um, and then I would think, and then quickly is I would also eliminate electromagnetic fields as much as possible. Turn off your damn Wi-Fi at night. Don't sleep with that. You don't need it. You're not looking at your. Turn off that state of stress. Get out in the damn sun with no sunscreen. If you shame on you. If you're freaked about the sun, at least do it in the first few minutes without sunscreen because a nine SPF sunscreen cuts down your vitamin D production by 99%. Mm-hmm. And your vitamin D production is behind uh, the immune system, cardiovascular disease, osteoporosis, diabetes, like all of that stuff. Um, so these are again, these are found very, very basic foundational things that when you do these things, it sets your mind straight. And then I would say, yes, in the superfood world, there's some cool things you can get into. I don't know what the availability is, but I do know that it's starting to be out, out there. So the coffee fruit. And that is clear science. Friends of mine developed that. I was down in in Veracruz, Mexico, looking at the process and looking how they figured out how to use the fruit and the bean. And the cool thing that they found out and they did clinical trials on this is that alchemy increased the biogenesis of the brain. So it increased BDNF, brain derived neurotropic factors, just by taking that alchemy alone. This is not drinking coffee. This is, a dried bean with very little caffeine and the fruit. And that alchemy turned on uh, neurogenesis.
1: You you eat it like a nut
0: or is it like a powder? No, it's a powder. And now there's some companies uh, that are starting to have it in there. And then and then tumorones and curcumin with the turmeric are also showing to have BDNF. So there's zero evidence to support at any point, not taking turmeric, right? Right. Yeah. So, just consume turmeric, and that's something. Some herbs. And you And if have you to can
1: like, get the raw turmeric root, at yeah. The, you know, at the market, don't yeah. buy the powder because you don't know how that was processed. Yeah, right?
0: unless get you know real real that. Running. You know, unless you know mm-hmm. where it's coming from or a reputable com- company, um, y- you can do that and then get a higher concentration. And then if you have some severe uh, inflammatory situ- situations, which a lot of people do. Then get concentrations of curcumin, which will help the inf- inflammatory thing. But, and again, then you know there's so there's several superfoods you can use uh, for helping the brain. But again, water. Right. Start with water. Get your water in. Yeah, and with I electrolytes. think I
1: think it's important to contextualize superfoods. Like if you're eating a junk food diet, but you're you know then you finish the day every day with turmeric, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. not gonna match. Like These than, are, these than are than. like, you know, these are the sprinkles on top of the cupcake, right? Yeah. But you, your foundation has foundation. to be solid.
0: Yeah, but you know, I see both. Some people start with a bunch of superfoods eating crap and then they start to feel better and then they start eliminating. Right. I've seen both sides, mm-hmm. right? Or the other side, right? So you're, e- you know, eating good and, and doing everything right. And then you're adding the superfoods in and oftentimes your your sensitivity, you will be able to feel it. But I wanna get away from feeling because it's like, you know, that apple a day keeps a doctor away. You're not eating an apple going, yeah, I'm gonna run up a mountain. No, it's the same thing. Like consistency with superfoods, uh, drinking your, you know, shout out to tarot and four-sigmatic yeah. uh, uh, um, uh, mushrooms on a daily basis. Like that's an easy way to incorporate some of these some of these superfoods and just consistency because we're getting bombarded with stress and adrenaline and toxins. Mm-hmm. So let's get as consistent with healthy eating, lots of plants, and a bunch of superfoods.
1: What do you say? You know, there's a sort of countervailing argument out there like there's no such thing as a superfood, there's just food. Right. Well,
0: uh, yeah. Well, of course there is. So, you know, let's use a very extreme example and so calorie for calorie you're getting a difference as opposed to a bologna sandwich as opposed to you know uh, leaves of moringa in a salad right so you're get so superfood really is per calorie how how many nutrients you're getting per per caloric intake mm-hmm. so when you look at something like moringa you're getting 35 antioxidants and um calcium, magnesium, potassium and they call it a vitamin tree for god's sake. So so an ounce of that compared to an ounce of a of a donut is is not even remotely the same. So so that's where the you know right get the nutrient density in so that you can get what your body needs yeah. to counteract the
1: I think that's a good reply. You know, I, I think sometimes the word superfoods gets bandied about a little too For liberally. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> but in truth, like these are foods that are incredibly nutri you know, their nutritional yeah. value exceeds that of the typical food that you're coming sure. across. Yeah. And they don't they need not be super exotic. I mean you're you, you know, you're sort of in that world, but well, like blueberries, right?
0: You know, try to get some wild blueberries. Eat those every day. They know that 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 is doing some phenomenal things around with the stem cells and things like that. And we know that 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 is uh, not to mention antioxidants. So it's like be consistent. Like mm-hmm. it's not it's not rocket science. You use your don't get caught into fads that kind of take you away from these incredibly nutrient rich foods because you're
1: buying into this. Weird ass fad, you know. Right. So. Speaking of fads, I'm gonna get cream for saying this, but <laughs> the final question: the the the, uh, the 800 pound gorilla in the room. Yeah. Will the baru nut kick you out of ketosis?
0: Oh. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> that is so funny. Uh, depends on how many carbs you had that day, I guess.
1: You know, there's a there's <laughs> a uh, there's this this sort of um, percolating movement around. Uh, a plant-based ketogenic diet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There might be something interesting there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, the more I hear about it, the, the less dismissive I am of yeah. it. Yeah, I
0: know. mean, there, listen, it, this could be a whole big conversation, right. but there. L- let's just say that there's applications for it where it gets gnarly in terms of true ketosis, actually being in ketosis. And I think Tim Ferriss even mentioned one day, he's like, yeah, I think in my, looking at this 98% of the people doing ketosis are actually not in ketosis. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of living this kind of ketosis like life and eating this way. So you're not actually in these ketone burning, fat burning zones.
1: You're just eating a very low carbohydrate diet.
0: Yeah. And the danger is the, the low uh, micronutrient thing that I see. That's that. That's the crazy, Side of it when you're you know when you, you can 't also eat a high protein diet because there's insulin that the body needs in order for the protein to uh, be utilized too, and that 's what people don 't understand like protein utilization needs insulin just like carbohydrates need insulin, so true ketosis you have to actually peel down protein quite a bit for your body to actually then go into ketosis and right um, but, you know, if, so from a sustainable long term plan, ketosis is a really bad idea. Again, there's certain, you know, um, conditions that ketosis may be able to jump you out of and help you through. Um, and there's some evidence to that, but it is by no means meant to be uh, taken on as a lifestyle.
1: Yeah, I had yeah. Walter Longo <clears throat> on the podcast. Yeah, I love that. The leading scientist in the field of longevity. Um, and he was very clear. I mean, this is a guy who's probably gonna win the Nobel Prize. I think he was pretty close to already winning it. Yeah. And he he was unequivocal yeah. that like eating a ketogenic diet is the worst thing that you can do for longevity. Yeah. And we could do a whole podcast on this. I don't yeah. wanna get yeah. in the weeds on this. <laughs> Maybe we should do that and we will do that. Yeah. Um, and we got through this whole podcast without the word vegan coming up once. <laughs> it didn't even. <laughs> well, you did say eat plants.
0: Yeah, because it's like you know, l- l- you know, I think like you, like I-, I have my personal reasons for 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 eating that way, and and I thrive. And some friends of mine who are not eating this way say that I'm some sort of. You're the outlier outlier the or that, oh, because you have access to certain superfoods that no one else would have access mm-hmm. to my My thought is like, uh, okay, that's not entirely true, but if you look at food from a nutrient density responsibility, then yeah, I think it's a it's a poor choice to eat meat for the demand that your body has to go through in order to break it down and use anyway. Just from that, let's just, just from that point of view and you know, 20 to 30% of that said meat, whatever you eat is, is undigested and putrefying. So therefore you're having toxins. But anyway, it's a Pandora's <laughs> box, but yeah, it's an inefficiency from my point of view. I wanted to eliminate the middleman. Like why would I spend so much energy breaking down flesh of another being when I can have Boruka nuts and Moringa has got tons of the amino acids and the amino acids cycle and recycle in the body, which a lot of people don't talk about. The, the, the body is really efficient. It doesn't wanna get rid of amino acids. So it wants to save them.
1: And yeah, that's something that that Brandon Brazier talks a lot about, like uh, net energy gain. You know, the amount right. of energy that that the demand that you're placing on your body to digest, you know, a, a steak, Big for time. example, yeah. it takes it takes a toll. So yeah. where do you come out? In, you know, where do you net out in yeah. terms of what you're gaining versus what you have to expend in order to for metabolize sure. something like that? For sure. But we can talk more about that again, yeah, come back anytime, my sure. friend. Thank you, um, I'm super excited about the Barunut, Barucas is the name of the company. I should say in full disclosure that uh, you were kind enough to allow me to be um, an affiliate of the company. So I'm really excited to be aligned with you in that way. Um, I love supporting my friends and I love supporting, even more than that, I love supporting friends who are trying to do good and creating um, new paradigms for how to do business right. So I applaud you for that. And Thanks, I'm proud man. to be aligned with you yeah, we're on this mission in, in my little way. So if people are excited about getting their hands on uh, a package of Baruna, it's like, how do they do that?
0: Barukas.com, yeah. B-A-R-U-K-A-S.com or Amazon.
1: Right, cool. Yeah. Um, and if you wanna support the podcast, um, you can go to Baruka's, dot com forward slash Rich Roll. It won't cost you anything extra, but right. these guys will know that, uh, that you came to them through the podcast and um, the podcast will be rewarded so that I can continue to pay all the people that exactly. helped put on this show and continue to- deliver the best podcast that I possibly can for you. So I'd appreciate it if and you And then please support the Kickstarter. Yeah, and the right. Kickstarter. So as of the date of this recording, it's not live yet, right? right. But by the time we put this up, it yep. will be. So I will put a link um, to the Kickstarter in the show notes on the episode page at richroll.com and I'll share it on social media and all that kind of stuff. So i um, excited to support you in that as we well. We appreciate you. Right on, Matt. Yeah. In the meantime, uh, if you wanna learn more about Darren, you can pick up his book, Super Life. It's in paperback now. Yeah. Uh, audio, I, all audio. of Audio, did, you, did you, you, you're the voice of, of the it. audio? Part of it. Part of it, <laughs> I was like, I
0: tapped out. <laughs> yeah. I gotta go. It's work,
1: man. <laughs> it is, you know? it is. Uh, and uh, is, uh, is superlife.com still a place yep. for people to go?
0: And Baruchas. com and baruchas.com. Baruchas.com, yeah.
1: Cool, man. All right, yeah. we'll come back. We'll, we'll pick a subject and, and deep dive on it because I could talk to you for hours and yeah, hours and hours. Yeah, for sure. All right, my Thanks, mind. man. Much appreciated. Appreciate well. it. Cool. Peace. Lads. Baruchas. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you guys something. That Darren O'Lean, he is a national treasure. Always love talking to him. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Do me a favor. Check out the just-launched Baruchas Kickstarter. Darren and his team are going to use the money that they raised to innovate new equipment, but most importantly, to plant 20 million trees in the Brazilian Sahadu, which, as we discussed in the podcast, is an area very much threatened by cattle industry deforestation efforts. Uh, It's a great way to help support these indigenous communities. It's also uh, a cool way to be one of the first people to get your hands on his new trail mix product. And they've got all kinds of cool incentives and giveaways, including a superfood hunting trip with Darren, which is pretty exciting. And I guess I should say, in the interest of total transparency, as you guys know, Darren and I are good friends. We go way back. And he was kind enough to make me a Baruka's ambassador of sorts. So if today's chat left you intrigued and wanting to give the Baru thing a try, which you totally should – uh, the best way to do that is to go to barukascom forward slash richroll. That's B-A-R-U-K-A-S dot com forward slash richroll. Or just enter richroll at checkout and you will get 15% off your first purchase, which is great. Uh, and it will benefit the show, which is awesome if you want to support my work. And also let Darren and his team know that you heard about Barukas here first. So a win-win across the board. Do me another solid and let Darren know what you thought of today's conversation. Hit him up on Twitter or Instagram at Super Life Living. And as always, check out the show notes on the episode page at richroll.com to expand your experience of today's conversation beyond the earbuds. Uh, We're also up on YouTube, and that's a great way to experience Darren and his show-and-tell efforts (laughs) with respect to the superfoods today. And also on the show notes, I've got links to the Kickstarter, and I've got links to Baruchas and all that kind of stuff. So it's an easy place to find all the links that we discussed today. If you're looking for additional nutritional guidance, a great way to do that to solve that equation for yourself is to check out our meal planner at meals.ritrol.com. We've got thousands. We've got this incredible library of thousands of plant-based recipes, all customized based on your personal preferences. Like what are you allergic to? What foods do you like? Do you not like? How many people are you cooking for? Uh, All that good stuff gets factored in to this algorithm so you only see the recipes that work for you. We also have unlimited grocery lists. We have grocery delivery In most U.S. cities, that's totally built into this product. So when you decide you want to prepare a certain recipe, that gets added to a grocery list and all the food just gets delivered to your door, which is amazing. Uh, We have incredible customer support, customer service, seven days a week, people who really know what they're talking about available to answer all your questions, no matter how silly they may be. And what I'm most proud of is that this product is available to you for just $1.90 a week, which is amazing. Uh, For more information, go to meals.richroll.com or click on Meal Planner on the top menu at richroll.com. We just crossed the one year mark with this uh, product. We served over 250,000 plant-based meals last year. We're looking to double that this year. People are really enjoying this product. Uh, So if you have yet to check it out, uh, do it. I think you'll like it. Uh, if you'd like to support my work please subscribe to the show on apple Podcasts or google Podcasts or on whatever platform you enjoy this content but most importantly just tell your friends that's the best way word of mouth if you've enjoyed an episode a particular episode or this sh- or the show in general just sharing it with your circle of friends uh, super powerful and really appreciate that you can also support my work on patreon at richroll.com forward slash donate And as always, let me thank everybody who helped put on the show today because I do not do this alone. Uh, Jason Camiolo for audio engineering production, show notes, interstitial music, a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Blake Curtis and Margot Lubin for filming and editing today's show, as well as creating the graphics and theme music as always by Anna Lemma and portraits by Reese Robinson. Thanks for the love you guys. Uh, See you back here next week with another great episode. Until then. Enjoy your life. Treat yourself well. Eat good food. Be a part of your community. Move your body. Enjoy the summer months. Peace, plants. Nostalgia.